Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. A few weeks ago, I got a notice from PayPal that some money had been deposited into my PayPal account. And I went to look at it, and it was a donation from Melindy in Great Britain. Now, a while back, probably about three or four months ago, I put a Donate Here button up on the upper left side of the website. And I never really said anything about it. I just thought, well, I'll stick it there and not worry about it. And, and the reason I did this was because I talked to Andy over at 59 North, and he had a Donate Here button. And he said it, there were quite a few people that actually donated to him. So I thought, well, I'll do the same thing. So I stuck it on there, and nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. And then, boom, I got a $30 donation from Melindy in Great Britain. I wrote her back saying, Melindy, thanks. So far, you're the only person that's noticed it and the only person that's done anything about it. Thank you very much. And she wrote me back a, a kind note. She said, it's a pleasure and the least I can do. You make my journey into work so much more enjoyable. I am working my way through your back catalog of episodes. I can't wait to get back to Greece soon. We are heading over for a week in May and then all of September and October. And then next season, we will be living there for the complete season. When is your next trip? Keep well. Kind regards, Melindy. Melindy, I'm going to be going to Greece, not this year. In fact, this year is going to be sort of a down year for me. I haven't announced this on the podcast, but uh, the reality of life is setting in, and it's good. I'm heading over to Turkey at the end of June, and I'll be spending about a month in Europe. But from Turkey, I'm going to head down to the boat, do some work on the boat. But I don't plan on putting it in the water. I need to get some sails measured. I need to have some woodwork done. And I need to, to do a few projects on the boat, and then I'll put the cover back on the boat and head back. But really, what I'm doing when I'm heading over to Turkey is I'll use that as my base of operations to visit Sweden. And in Sweden, I'm going to be sailing with my friend Neil Fletcher on Arturus, which was Andy's old boat. Neil bought it from from Neil bought the boat from Andy Scheel of 59 North this year, and this will be the first time he's taking the boat out. He'll be out on the boat, oh, a few weeks before I get there. So we'll have uh, a little bit of comfort with the boat by the time I get there, but I'll be sailing with him for a couple weeks. So this will be my first time sailing in the Baltic, and I'm looking forward to that. I'll be sailing out of Stockholm with Neil. But after that, I'll head back to the boat and make sure the work's done on the boat, and I may have about a week at the end of the trip to kick around, and if I do... Uh, I may head over to the Cappadocia area, which is one of my favorite areas of, of Turkey, and just kick around there for a little while, and then I head back. Now, the reason I'm doing it this year is I'm doing an addition on my summer home. I told you about the, the headaches and even getting a damn building permit from the bureaucrats last year. They had add no value. Okay, if you're a bureaucrat, you're not adding value. End of story. They had no value, and they add a lot of barriers. They're basically sand in the wheels of commerce. 
rules, regulations, bureaucrats. Did not make me build a better house, just added more cost to the house. But anyway, <laughs> digress. Uh, so anyway, I finally got my building permit after the end of the season last year, and that's why I only went sailing for a month last year, was because I thought I would be building the cabin last year. So it's going into this year instead. So I'll be doing a lot of work up at the, uh, the summer home this year, doing in addition to that. Now, after this, hopefully I will be back to my regular two months a year routine in the Mediterranean in the following year. And I have a backlog of people that want to go sailing with me. I need to keep a list somewhere because when it comes to sending out invitations, I have to rack my memory. But I need to put an actual list of people that are interested in sailing with me. Years ago, when my boat was up in the Northwest, when it was out of Anacortes, Washington, one of my clients uh, lived in Las Vegas, and her husband was an orthopedic surgeon, and and she was a member of the Juvenile Diabetes Association of, of Las Vegas. And she asked me if I'd be interested in donating some time on my boat. And I thought, well, that'd be fine. So they did it as an auction. And I've told stories in the past about some of the experience I've had. But I always like sailing with new people. I never have a problem meeting new people and sailing with new people. So it's it's not a problem when somebody says, hey, I want to go sailing with you. And I may or may not know them. I've always found that I can pretty much put up with anybody for about a week. And uh, some people I wouldn't mind spending more time with. But as a general rule, I always limit whenever somebody sails with me that I don't know to uh, to a week at a time. So... I don't know. If you have an interest in sailing with me, drop me a note. Also, I've thought about putting together a meetup group uh, headquartered in Salt Lake, but it would be open to anybody about sharing charter events. In other words, I might want to do a bareboat charter, let's say in Thailand, which I have not sailed in before, and I would want to get people to join me on that charter. And I've seen some other meetup groups that do the same thing. I think there's one out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin that has a charter meetup group. I haven't decided whether to do it or not, but it's something I'm considering. If you have any thoughts, drop me a note, which comes to my next point. Suddenly I started getting tons of junk mail uh, on my Franz at MedSailor account, and I'm probably going to be changing that email address pretty soon. But for right now, it works. And when I start getting junk mail for a, for a form that you're supposed to fill out to be able to get anything to me, then I, then I get concerned. But I'm probably going to be changing my email address in the near future, but I haven't yet because I'm getting about 100 junk emails a day into that site. And that shouldn't be happening. I used to never get any. It was just from my listeners that wrote me notes. But now I'm starting to get a lot of junk mail. But anyway, for right now, franz at medsailor.com will work but it'll probably be changing in the near future. So drop me a note if you have any thoughts. Also, do me a favor and go in and write a review on iTunes. I'd appreciate it. And lastly, my quick advertisement. I have for free eight lessons for the basic keelboat certification lessons. Sailing, learn to sail, basic keelboat certification lessons for the ASA 101 exam. That is half of the total lessons, and I'm doing that because I want people to, to learn the basic terminology of sailing. And those lessons will get you through the basic terminology. What I ask is you sign up for the email list, and if you do, then I'll send you, I'll send you a link which will allow you to download uh, eight lessons. I think that's about three hours of lessons. I think it is, yeah, around three hours and some odd minutes in lessons. And if you like that, then consider buying my other products, which are audio lessons for the ASA 101, the full series,
the 103 and the 104, the bare boat cruising certification, which is what you need if you want to go charter a boat by yourself. This episode is a result of a quick email I got from Dave. Dave said, I've been enjoying your podcast on sailing from Dubrovnik and Montenegro. Have you sailed in Split Havar Brock area? If so, would you consider doing a podcast on your thoughts for a week charter out of Split? Thanks again for a great podcast, Dave. Well, Dave, I've never left my boat in Split. In hindsight, I wish I had because it'd give me more time to, to explore that area. But I've gone by Split, and I've sailed in Havar and Brock and up to Sibenik and around there. So I will give you what I consider might be some thoughts on sailing out of Split. Now, whenever you decide to charter a vessel, whatever charter company you work with is going to have some suggested itineraries. And they may offer you a lot more information than I can give you here in this podcast because I tend to really only talk about the places I've been where I have first-hand knowledge. I don't talk about the places I haven't been. And there's probably just as many delightful places that I haven't been that I have been. But I was limited in time, even though I, had, even though I was there for three separate summers. They are going to give you some pretty good information. Now, I did do a little bit of research on the web. I will read you the couple paragraphs that I got from a charter company. And this was from sailingcroatia.48options.com. And it said, if you're renting a boat in Split, you might like to consider sailing southeast to the islands of Havar, Brock, Vis, Korchula, and Miet. If you plan on going sailing in a northwesterly direction, visit Drevenik and Zergi Islands for the tiny island of Solta and the beautiful Kornati Islands. For a seven-day itinerary, start from Split and sail to Vis, uh, and sail to Vis Island on your first day with a stopover in the Krinjazi Islands. On day two, sail to Besevo and go diving in the Blue Caves. On day three, sail to the amazing beaches of Vela Luka on Prozid with another stopover swimming on Budakovac Island. On day four, visit Pasadar and Makara Islands. On day five, visit the beaches of Lastovo Island, including Lac Lopacha Bay, on day six, return to split. <laughs> okay. Now, I might have been to some of those places, but I don't recognize the names. Then it goes on to say, for another one-week sailing itinerary, one in renting a boat from Troger and sailing via the Kirknasi Islands, visit Sensula Coves, head to Vis on day two, sail to Bisovo Island, visiting Tiha Coves, and overnighting at Comiza on day three, sail to Palmazana in the Paklinski Islands. Day four and five, sail towards Brock through the Havar Channel, stopping at Milna Islands along the way before returning to Troger. All right, so that's what they said in that website. Now, I would suggest that you get, and I should have mentioned this in my earlier podcast in sailing out of Dubrovnik, you should probably get a book called 777 Harbors and Anchorages, Slovenia, Croatia, Montenegro, and Albania. And I used this book extensively when I was sailing in Croatia. In fact, it was pretty much my Bible. It was the pilot I used in deciding where to stop. It gave me a lot of information on anchorages, uh, holding, restaurants in the area, 
and it's a it's a paperback book. Mine's basically fallen apart by now, but they've got a new edition out since my edition. But I would recommend that. I'll put a link to it in the website. That was recommended to me by other people when I got there, and I'm recommending it to you as well. And with that, you can sort of plan your own itinerary. Now, I'm going to tell you about the places I've sailed and my thoughts on going north and going south out of Split. Now, I've never actually been into the town of Split. I always sailed by it. So if you decide you want to head south out of Split, here's an itinerary of places that I've been that you might find interesting. Your first stopover I would recommend to be on Brock Island. It's only going to be about a nine-mile trip from Split. And I've only been to a couple anchorages on Brock Island, but you could spend an entire week just sailing around Brock Island. The two places I've been to on Brock Island have been a little tiny anchorage called Bobo Visca, and then I refueled in a town called Milna. Now, Bobo Visca is a tiny little inlet with pretty much all-around protection. In fact, the day we pulled in there, the winds were blowing us downwind. We were coming down the coast, and so it was blowing us pretty much southeast. In other words, the wind was from the northeast blowing us to the southeast, and that harbor is actually open to that direction, but it's well protected enough that it offers pretty much all-round protection in there. We pulled in there. We picked up a mooring. A guy came by and said, oh, you got to pay for the mooring. I think one day we ended up paying for the mooring, and another day when I came back in a different time, we dropped an anchor and took a line ashore. Tiny little village, uh, about three restaurants there, and that's about all. Now, on my boat, <laughs> I don't have any shower facilities except for my little hand pump. And on the beach there, they did have uh, freshwater showers, so we took advantage of the, the freshwater showers on the beach. And... Uh, wandered around, walked up the road a little ways, and it was a delightful little place. I've been there a couple times. A little farther south from Bobo Visca is a little town called Milna, M-I-L-N-A, and that's probably where you're going to more likely want to stay. It's it's um, almost a picture-perfect little Croatian harbor town. It's got a marina in there. There may be a charter base right in Molina. I wouldn't be surprised but you can tie up side tie along the dock. You actually have a place where you pay for your side tie there. So you can pull in and you can put money in and you can fill up water and plug in as well. And there's a lot of nice little restaurants along the waterfront there. Pretty little place. I've never stayed overnight there. The reason I went into Molina was to fill up fuel. Now, heads up, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, if you're pulling in and you're heading back to return your boat after the end of your charter, I think we pulled in there on a Saturday, and the charter boats were due back Sunday, or vice of, or, or it may have been Friday, and they were due back Saturday. But nonetheless, we pulled out. Uh, we actually sailed down from Bobo Visca, and we needed to fuel up because this is the first time we'd fueled up since coming down from northern Croatia. And there was a long line of boats waiting to, to fuel this was as a result of them needing to fill up the tanks before they returned the boats to the charter bases. So I would suggest if you're going to need to fill up fuel, you might pull in the night before and fill up and not try to do it the next morning because there's going to be a long line of boats waiting to refuel at that fuel dock there. 
All right, continuing south, so there's going to be your first night somewhere on Brock. And like I say, you can spend a whole week just sailing around Brock. But continuing on places that I've been, you might head south from, let's say you stayed at Molina. The next stop you might have is going to be about another 10 or 12 miles away uh, to the island of Havar, H-V-A-R. And I say it Havar, and I'm not sure if that's correct or not. But I remember we pulled into a little anchorage there on the north side of Havar, the north, actually it's on the northwest corner of Havar, called Vira, V-I-R-A. And we pulled in there, and I don't remember why we pulled in there, but I think it was my, my guest wanted to go to a restaurant that he'd heard about there. So we pulled in there and called the restaurant up, and they came and picked us up and took us up to this restaurant called Panorama Restaurant, or panorama yeah panorama restaurant uh that evening and it was just gorgeous it was it was a lot of fun it was gorgeous if you don't want to do that you can head around the corner and pull right into havar which will be about another five or six miles uh the city of havar it is crowded (laughs) it's crowded uh you're going to have a little trouble finding a spot to anchor in there i've always found a spot but it's always been difficult a lot of ferries come in and out of there, and I've anchored right across from where the ferry pulls in and out. Uh, the old town of Havar is a real nightlife town, so there's a lot of action there in the night. If you like the the boom-boom scene, by boom-boom I'm talking about techno music that goes boom-boom-boom-boom-boom all night long. Uh, that's a place you might want to go to. If you're younger, if you're, the crew you have is younger, that'll be a fun place for them to go. It is a nice town to wander around. I've stayed in Havar and also just to the west of the, the harbor of Havar, where the ferries come in and out of, I once stayed into another place called Malagraska. And there's room for about four boats in there. There's a little breakwater there and room for about four boats, but only in perfect conditions. It is extremely dangerous in the wrong wind conditions. And I was there for two nights when it was very calm and then... The next night I went by there and it was just white caps all through there and very dangerous. And then I pulled around back to the Havar anchorage that I talked about. One day I dropped, I actually exchanged crews in Havar one time. And while I was waiting for my crew to leave, I spent a day. It was a nice mild breezy day and I was sailing by myself. And I thought, let's just sail around these islands to to the west of Havar. And I'm not sure what these islands are called, but the largest island is Clement Island on this group of, of islands. And you'll see it just to the west of Havar if you look on a map. And I spent the day just slowly tacking upwind, all the way upwind, uh, going to the west, to, to the western side of the islands, and had a nice downwind run to the east. Along the way, I poked my nose into all these little anchorages, and there's lots of little anchorages on Clement Island and these other little islands over here as well. So you could also anchor in there. If you're looking for nightlife, head to Var. If you're looking for a quiet seclusion, you're going to have a hard time finding that too much in Croatia in general because there are so many charter boats. Uh, you'll always have company no matter where you go, but you might do that. So that's going to be day two and possibly day three if you decide you want to sail around Clement Island. So day three and day four. Now... If you want to make a little better time and go a little farther, you might, on your first day, just head straight to Havar. 
and you might be able to do a few more things. So I'm going to give you a couple other options if you decide you want to head south. It's a long hop from Havar to Korchula, and that's going to be your next stop heading south. And there is a little harbor, well, not really a harbor. There's an anchorage just west of the town of Korchula called Kaneza, K-N-E-Z-A. I've anchored there, and there's a couple little restaurants ashore you can go visit. Uh, but you'd probably more likely want to go to and visit actually Korchula itself, a picture-perfect little town that I've talked about when you've sailed north out of Dubrovnik. You can go and stay at the ACI Marina right at Korchula or do what I do, which is head a little farther south and stay in Lombarda and take a bus or taxi up to visit Korchula. I like Lombarda more than the marina at Korchula, uh, probably because it's cheaper and I'm price conscious when I'm sailing. And also, if you like to anchor, there's an island called Badija, which is a, a little park they've got there. And there's some good anchorage spots off of Badija, B-A-D-I-J-A. But if you do that, then I don't know how you're going to get up to visit the town of Korchula unless you took a dinghy around and, and did that. And that's going to be about a probably about a two-mile dinghy ride to do that. But anyway, Lombarda would be my other stopover spot. So, uh, so you could do that in, oh boy, you'd, That'd be your second day if you're really, really hustling. And then I don't know if you can get all the way down to Miyet, M-L-I-J-E-T, and visit the park in Miyet or not. That'd be tough. I think probably at Korchula you're going to be turning around and heading back up. If you've got a a, a one-week charter, that means Korchula is probably about as far south as you might get. You might try to get to Miyet Island uh, and, and do it, but that's going to be a two-day stopover just to get down there because you're going to want to rent some bikes and ride over and visit Felico Gisero, which is the inland lake and it's a beautiful little park to ride bicycles around they don't allow cars over there unless you really hustled if, if you really hustled you might skip Havar entirely on one day and you'd probably have about a 60 mile day let me see how long it would be I'm looking at Google Earth let me just do a quick route to get down to Lombarda on the first day and then to Mijet on the second day. Let's do a path. Yeah, that'd be tough. I don't think you could do that. That'd be about a 70, 70 miles, and let's change it to nautical miles. So you're, okay, 61 nautical miles. That would really be tough to do in one day. So it's going to take you at least two days to get to uh, Korchula, and then another day from Korchula down to Mijet. So one, two three, and now you got to turn around. All right, you really don't have any time. I don't think you want to even try to get to Mijet Island, M-L-I-J-E-T, even though I like that island, even though that would be a place I'd recommend highly. Now let's talk about going north. And I'm going to tell you a quick story. Because heading north, I'm going to say head up to to Scraton, which is near Kirka National Park. We had anchored uh, just across from Scraton and to visit Kirka National Park, and we had sailed down from from there on down to Brock Island, spent a night there, and then on down to Lombarda on Korchula Island, and then then we were heading down to Mijet, and we were right in the middle of the two islands, right out in the middle of the sea between the two islands, between Korchula and Mijet. And my crew member was up sitting on the the side, the uphill side of the boat, which was the starboard side of the boat. And he looked down, and there was a snake underneath the spinnaker pole, which was on the deck. <laughs> and he jumped back, and uh, 
and I grabbed the boat hook and threw the snake overboard. I didn't know what kind of snake it was, but it was a big snake, a fairly large snake, and I don't know how long he'd been on the boat. But we came to think about it, and about the only place that he could have easily got on the boat was up in Scraddon, because we were right next to a marshy area, and I think he climbed up there. So he'd been on the boat, probably on the deck, for about three days before we discovered him. That's the second time I found a snake on my boat. The first time was down in, in, uh, in the Ionian Islands in Greece. Just, <laughs> and I don't think it was a dangerous snake, but I don't, I don't have the uh, knowledge of snakes to know whether it was dangerous or not. It was probably just fine, but I just put it overboard. It didn't kill it. I let it swim, but I don't know if he made it sure or not. So anyway, let's talk about going north. Now, like I say, I've never been to Split, but I've been by there. Now, one place you might visit, uh, which I haven't been to, which is uh, talked about a little bit, is on Solta Island, S-O-L-T-A Island. There's a little harbor there called Rogak, R-O-G-A-C. And it looks interesting from the pilot and from, from Google Earth. And it looks like it's offering pretty good protection in there. But I haven't been in there, so I won't give you any specific advice. From, from Havar, we sailed up to an island called Divinik. And at Divinik, you've got a little harbor inside that's pretty well protected. We didn't go in there. We went around the corner to an anchorage a little farther to the southwest of the main harbor. And you'll see it on the charts when you look at it. And we anchored there and walked over into the town that evening. Now, in hindsight, if I wasn't such a tightwad with money, I think I would have rather have gone in and stayed in the, in the town of Divinik because it looked like a nice little place to visit. And it was a nice walk, walking over there, but it would have been nice to stay right in there. That was a nice spot to stop. That might be your first stop from Split. It's about uh, about nine miles from Split, so that would be a good stopping point for, uh, for you there. The next day when we left Divinik, we started heading towards, and our goal was actually to get to Sibinik. But the winds were very strong and the seas were really rough, so we bailed about only about five miles into the trip. Sometimes that's the best thing to do when, when things aren't going with you, just stop and relax. We went to a little bay called Sinikia Bay, S-I-C-E-N-I-C-A Bay, uh, anchored there. And there's a couple little restaurants there. We spent the day just relaxing, swimming, taking it easy. And then the next day we headed on up to Sibinik. At Sibinik we refueled. We were heading north at the time, and then headed up the river to Scraton. And the reason we wanted to head up the river to Scraton is, number one, I was dropping off my crew there. Number two, we were going to visit the Kirka National Park, the falls at Kirka. Now, I've been up this river twice now, and both times the winds were pretty much blowing me all the way up. The first time I motored all the way up because I didn't really know where I was going. And both times I anchored. I never pulled into the marina at Scraton. But the second time, the winds were such that all I had to do was have my jib out and jibe my jib once in a while, and I was being blown all the way up. And people would be motoring up, and it would take them a long time to get by me with their motor. I was sailing fast enough that it was hard for them to pass me motoring. So if you have the right winds, don't be impatient. Take your time. It's flat water. And you could sail all the way up there if the winds are just right. And they were the second time for me. In fact, I think they were the first time as well, but I didn't, uh, I didn't sail up there. 
at Scraddon, you're going to want to spend a couple days there. You're going to have one night, probably two nights at Scraddon, and you're going to spend a day visiting the Kirkin National Park. You cannot sail up to Kirkin National Park. You have to stop at Scraddon and either pull into the marina there or anchor like I did, which is just right across from the town. And that's good holding, really deep mud. And there's a ferry that takes you up to the national park. So you have to buy a ticket on the ferry to get up to the national park and then at the national park you have to buy a ticket to get into the national park it's worth doing so there you got two days there now you're going to have to turn around and head back down so that's pretty much going north i think you get up to kirk national park going south you could probably get down to Corchula, but don't be in such a big hurry that you have to have these as goals in mind you could spend um, a, a week just sailing around brock island you could spend uh, a lot more time just sailing around Havar. Don't feel like you need to rush. In fact, I think that's the biggest problem most people have when they rent a boat is they feel like they have to go long distances. And there's so many places to visit just in short distances apart. Now, just looking around Split, there's dozens of little anchorages right around Split that I have not visited. But that's the best I can do for you. If From Sibinik, when I dropped my crew off, I had about a week where I was sailing by myself. And uh, and I dropped them off at Scraddon and sailed back down the river to Sibinik and then out. And my first stop that day was a fairly long day to uh, to the island of Zut, Z-U-T, uh, anchored there. The next day I pretty much sailed to an island called Rava, R-A-V-A. And then the next day I had a real long run up to the island of Losinja, L-O-S-I-N-J, and then spent... Uh, a couple of days. Actually, I think I spent about three days in Losange before I headed even farther north. That that year, I went all the way up to... That year, I sailed all the way up to Limsky, to the Limsky Fjord. And I sailed up there by myself, and then, and then my wife joined me about a week after that. So I had actually about two weeks of sailing by myself, uh, working my way the rest of the way up the coast. And then I... That's as far north as I got in Croatia, was up on Istria on Limsky Ford. All right, that's going to finish up this episode. If you have suggestions for future episodes, I'd appreciate it. If you have suggestions for people I might want to interview, I'd appreciate you passing along that information to me. I've got a couple suggestions I haven't followed up on yet. And one last request, do me a favor and go write a review for this podcast in iTunes. Thanks for listening. Joe, do you have something to tell me? No, I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joe. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joe. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you, every once in a while, you just got to say, what the heck, and take some chances. You are so right. You made me very proud. I was just thinking. Where we might be ten years from now, you know? <laughs>